Come to Jesus, John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. This will be our text today. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, may your word become alive, not just in our consciousness, but in our soul, that the things that you have spoken to those who were there listening to you in person become the reality for us 2,000 years after as we listening to the very same word that's spoken by this man, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we come to know who you are and may we return to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Christians bear a mark of the Lord Jesus Christ as we walk with Jesus. This mark become more and more visible, not only to us, but to the people around us. And this mark intensifies as the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ grow every day. Think about this mark like a mark on your forehead. The distinctiveness of the Christian is that you have Christ written on you. The Apostle Paul says, let no man give me grief because I bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the world doesn't like us when we speak about Jesus. No, no, not the concept of Jesus, the man Jesus. They like the concept of Jesus. We might call that God. We might call that Christ. We might call that even Jesus. But the world doesn't like it when we say the Lord Jesus Christ. The man from Nazareth that Peter stood before the people and he said, this Jesus of Nazareth, the man, the person. And today we have a reaction. We have a strong reaction. When you speak, when you talk to your friend, you can mention God and they say, okay, that's fine. But when you say Jesus, people, wait a minute. There's something in that tone. There's something in that name that makes the heart tremble and they don't like it. And so the church begins to adapt its liturgy, its words, its vernacular, so that it fits the general consensus of what makes people comfortable. Does this make you comfortable? If not, then I'll change. If talking about Jesus Christ makes you uncomfortable, how about I say Christ instead? Does that make you a little bit more comfortable? Or if I say God, does that make you more comfortable? Then if I say the man the Lord Jesus, does that make you uncomfortable? We think about this relationship, and I think about this relationship because when Jesus says, you won't come to me because you don't want to have a relationship with me. That's what it means by, you don't want to come to me. We want to have Jesus as someone in the distance. We want to have the power of this God. We want to have the miracles of this God, but we don't want to come to Jesus. Because coming to Jesus means that we are exposing ourselves to this man. We are making ourselves vulnerable before him. He can see our faults like that woman at the well, speaking with Jesus, and then the sin in her lives become more visible. But then in the end of the story, she didn't care because there is a, 
A pursuit of love in her life, and it's all our pursuit of love, isn't it? We want people to love us, we want something to love. And then we find out that these relationships that we hold on to turn out to be nothing. Heartbreaks. And so Jesus comes and he said, I come to me. There is a love, there is a relationship that surpasses your understanding and your experience and your faults and your failures. And even, yes, your sin, like that woman. And she ran into the town. He told everyone, this man, he knew everything about me. And yet, he stood there and spoke with me. We had a relationship. Love is not something that's spontaneous. We think, we look at someone, and it's love at first sight. And then when you're with that person for a while, and you go, where is that spontaneity? We think that it's somehow love, it just happens. But love does not depend on sight or sound or sensory experience. If it does, depending on those things, you know, one day, you look at the person whom you used to love, and they don't look like they're 18 or 20 Love is a person who came and laid down his life for us. That's love. Why will you not come to Jesus? Let me give you some reason why you won't come to Jesus. Because death is grotesque. Death is gross. We don't want to talk about death, do we? When we think about our mortality... It's dreadful when we see someone laying there and life slowly evaporates from the body. Tom was telling me about one of his experiences. And it's dreadful to hold someone and see life just like breath leaves the body. We get squirmy. We don't want to hear about this. And this is the reason why we don't want to come to Jesus. Because what does he talk about? What is his life about? We become slaves to this fear of death. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.15, our whole life is made bondage to this fear. We fear death so much that we invent so many different ways, even vaporware, cryogenic. I want to see those people who invent these machines try it themselves. But no, they will sell it to you, this idea of preserving your life until when? We can't escape death. And we talk about death as a person departing from us, as if death is somehow not permanent. We're talking about the deceased rather than the one who is now dead. You see, the the Son of Man came to deliver us out of this bondage, not to take us around it. Though we wish that he would take us around death somehow. But when he talks about going to the cross, when he talks about his own death, even his disciples had issues with him. Jesus, in Matthew 16, 21 to 23, he talked about going to Jerusalem to suffer and then to die And then he said this little thing that even the disciples didn't pay attention to and we don't pay attention to today. That after three days, he will rise again. And then Peter thinking, no, 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 no. Christianity is not about death and dying. 
is about alive. So he took Jesus aside and said, no, Lord, you won't die. This is not you. Remember how Jesus responded to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. When Lazarus was dying, remember what Jesus did? He waited until Lazarus was dead, fully dead. And then he said, let's go to Lazarus. And one of his disciples, Thomas, says, yeah, mocking him. Let us go to Lazarus so that we can all die with him. Is this what our religion is about? You see, even the disciples didn't want to hear Jesus talk about death. And when Jesus talked about, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. No, this is too much. The Bible records that they all left him. He turned over to his disciples and he said, would you leave me too? Death is gross. And we use all kinds of words to attempt to take away its, t- its sting. Like the departed, the deceased. We don't want to talk about the dead. We try to circumvent death by inventing and selling all kinds of stuff. Insurance, all sorts of things. We capitalize on people's fear of death. Even the Lord Jesus Christ in the garden. The words he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. In his humanity, death was hard. I fear death. I fear when I have to see my parents die. It's a reality. I'm not standing here not talking to you about something that I don't fear. It's all in us. It's built into us. This fear of death has control. We are in bondage of this fear. Hebrews tells us. But then Jesus says, but not my will, but thine be done. You see, we are not driven by our fears. We are driven by our love for God. That's the distinctiveness of Christianity. We won't come to Jesus because he won't make a way around death for us. You see, Jesus Christ, he went through death. He didn't go around death. He went through death. And we want somehow pass by, somehow to push this problem to the side. But you know what? If Jesus Christ did not die, then death is not conquered. He had to face death head on and win so that you and I, through Christ and our faith in Jesus, we might go through death. We might walk over death and it has no power to sting us anymore. This is the power of Jesus Christ in us, that he has to go through death so that we might go through death and death will no longer have its hold on us. In 2 Corinthians 1.9, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. The reason why death is so painful is because there is two power that grips the lives of men and women. And that is death or God. Who do you fear? Do you fear death? Does it have a grip on you? Or do you fear God? Is there an obedience when Jesus says, it's not my will, but thine be done. There is a fear and obedience to those who will not let death becomes a trap and snare and becomes something that gets a hold of us. But through our love for Jesus Christ, we're not afraid of death. Even though their fear is there, we will not let it drive us. People will die and we will see them die. 
But it doesn't lessen the pain when you don't talk about it and don't accept that there is a way to cause them or to allow them to have the knowledge that there is a Savior who will help them and who will take them by the hand through death and into eternity. That's our hope. That is our Christian hope. That we know that death is not our finality. Death is just a state in which Jesus Christ has won. He has conquered death. And so we can come to people and we say, yes, we will all die. But there is hope. There is a man who has conquered the power of death. And if you believe in him, the fear might be there. But the joy is greater. The hope is greater. Jesus Christ will take you through death and into life eternal. That's our hope. And that's why I'm here. If we neglect or we push something aside, it will always be there and will always come back to haunt us. But if we face it, if we get rid of it, if we conquer it, it will no longer have its power over us. What do you fear? What are those things that cause you to stay away from? For some of us, we're dealing with problems every day. And we might push those problems aside, hoping they never come back. But you know, they always come back, don't they? I was dealing with this problem this whole week. And it's a problem of confusion. I never understood how this piece of technology is supposed to work. It looked very complicated to me. But this week, I either had to understand it, or I have to find ways of circumventing the solution. So I decided I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try to understand it. And it turned out it's not that bad. We have to face our fears. We've got to face our fears so that we can take others through it. And now it's a piece of open source code. Everyone can take a look at it. I couldn't find it. But now I made one. We've got to face our fears. You can't push it to the side hoping never come back. You will not come to Jesus because you don't want to deal with the fact that you have to face death one day. So we defer it until the end. Buy now, pay later. A credit card's debt pile up. We're thinking, you know, one day I'll make a lot of money and I just pay it all. Second reason why you won't come to Jesus. And the reason why you won't come to Jesus is because the Father did not draw you. Now, this is the problem that none of us can do anything about. Let me refer to it because it is the gospel. It's how God works. John 6, 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. I will raise him up at the last day. You won't and you can't come to Jesus Christ because you're not called. There's nothing more I can say about that. It's God. So what should we do? The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed to men once to die, but after this, the judgment. The church is here, and the church has a mandate to pray. To pray for all men that they might come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. It is your responsibility and our responsibility as the church to pray, God, save but it is ultimately up to God to draw us. It's not some kind of intellectual pursuit. Somehow you understand God in such a way that then you believe. 
God has to open up the spiritual realm, invite you in, make you born again into his kingdom. That or nothing happens. God has made death the gate to eternity. There is a reason why he does that. For you to pass from this mortality to eternity, there's this gate, and that gate is death. John chapter 11, verse 4. Listen to what Jesus Christ says. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified therein. The death, death, and the triumph of death magnifies Jesus Christ. That's why death is there. Death is there because death is something that we will all lose to. Everyone will lose to death. No one entered into this fight and won. Everyone lost to death, except one. And the one who conquered death is the Lord Jesus Christ. And death is the only thing that we cannot win, but the Son of God had. He conquered death. And therefore, when we think about death, we think about this man, Jesus, flesh, just like us, who died and rose again. That's glory. That is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has set it up that way so that he would glorify his son through the triumph of death. And that is why we cannot come to him unless God has drawn us to Jesus Christ. The Father made death the impetus for our faith because we cannot win. And therefore, we need to have faith in the one who did conquer and victorious over death. He took away the sting of death. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the death, he said, from the dead, he said that for the glory of the Son of Man. Lazarus need to die because if Nazareth was only sick and he was healed from his sickness, how glorious is that compared to when Lazarus is dead in the tomb for four days and then he said, come forth, Lazarus, and he just came forth. The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ is manifested greatly in death. You and I, we cannot come to Jesus unless the Father has granted us the fortitude and the humility to believe in the crucified Savior. Why you must come to Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The way. Jesus is the, the way. There is no other way to eternal life except in Jesus' name. Let me repeat that. There is no way to the Father except through Jesus' name. Let me tell you why the significance of this. In the beginning, in the inception of the church, Peter proclaimed the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This man that you killed. You are responsible for his death. This man is the man that will save you. There is no other salvation. There is no salvation under heaven that's been given to men. No other name under the heaven has been given to men except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom you will call on. Without a name, you cannot call. And if the church doesn't speak Christ's name, Jesus, no one can be saved. When the name of Jesus, this precious name is missing from our conversations, from our family, just think about it. When you have a conversation with someone and you can talk about God and you can talk about any deity, it's fine until you bring in the name of Jesus. 
the conversation will change. When you bring in the name of Jesus, you will change your decorum, your mannerism. Your words will change when you speak about Jesus. When you hear someone take the name of the Lord Jesus in vain, you get irritated. I get irritated. The name of Jesus needs to be restored into our families. He is the only way. There is no name given to us in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What is this name? It's the name that's missing from our conversations. It's the name that's missing from the pulpit. It's the name that is missing from our liturgy, from our writings. The church's responsibility is to, is to proclaim her Lord, the head of the church, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are flesh and blood, and the Lord Jesus is flesh and blood, his humanity, and that is our head. We must proclaim the head. Unless we are a dysfunctional family where the head hates the body and the body hates the head. But Jesus' church is not a dysfunctional church. He loves us. But where is our love? And where is our affection? Where is our honor to the Lord? The proclamation that the disciples spoke about in the beginning began and ended with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Without speaking the name of Jesus, we have no relationship with him. When Jesus revealed to his disciples that he must suffer and die, their hearts were troubled. They wanted to distance the death his death with their gathering. This death that they want to separate so much, keep coming back. Jesus keep talking about death. And it's like the church today, like you telling me, why do you keep talking about death? Because my Lord talks about death. That was his mission. The church today needs to talk about the death for our sins, not for some superficial, some philosophical sin of the world. No, your sin, my sin on that cross. And he died and he rose again. That's the gospel. But we want to make the gospel in something more palatable, something more politically correct today. No, we, the church needs to talk about the head and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he talk about? He talked about his death. And so Philip turned to him and said, well, if you're going to go die, show us the father. That will be okay. That will be enough for us. Just show us the Father. If you're, going, if you're going to die, then just show us the Father. And we'll, we'll find him ourselves. Jesus responded to the disciple, I am the way. There is only one way to the Father, and it's through my death. There's no other way. So, we want a different gospel. Paul didn't preach a different gospel. We want a different gospel. The church will not speak of a different gospel. There's only one gospel, and that is the gospel that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, and that way is through death. That's it. Jesus is the truth. Jesus Christ embodied the eternal truth. We try to find truth in so many other ways, don't we? So we leave the name of Jesus out when we speak about some philosophical aspect of, well, why are these things happen? Just reading the article in the the journal, they're talking about, is this the wrath of God? Or is this just 
happened, nature, the law of nature. What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? John chapter 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Now, the body of the Lord Jesus is the truth. If, when we partake in the communion, we partake in the truth in us. It is the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ is the truth. When we leave his flesh be- behind, we have no truth. We have no life in us. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the truth. Now, does that offend you? Because that offends a lot of people. Christian cannibals. I'm touching on all kinds of stuff today, don't I? You know what many people did was offended because Jesus said those things. Did that make him change his word so that he say something that doesn't offend to you? Today, we don't face him. We don't face Jesus. There's no physical presence that we sit in front of him and he spoke and we hear and there's absolutely convinced that there is no mistake in what people have heard Jesus said. You don't eat my flesh, you don't drink my blood, and people are thinking, that's, is that what he said? I'm out of here. Many, verse 66 of John 6, 666, remember that. Many of his disciples stop following him after that. And he turned to his trusted 12 and he said, you, would you like to follow them? Leave them as well. Because I, I have many things more I'm going to say and it's going to upset many other people to the point they're going to crucify me. Are you going to stick around for that? If you want to leave, you should leave now. Because the truth is not in us. We don't possess the truth. And when we hear the truth, either we believe the truth and leave our stands behind, or we reject the truth and hold on to our truth. Jesus says this, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. The Father has to grant you the grace to hear Jesus Christ and not be offended. Because when you hear Jesus today, there is no mistake what he said will offend you. But today, because we're not sitting there with him, we say, but he didn't mean that. This is what he meant. So we invent all kinds of apparatus, of of philosophical apparatus, so that we can twist his words. He didn't mean his body, his flesh. He didn't mean his blood. No, we're not cannibals. But if you were there, you would stand up and you would walk away, just like many, all of them did. There's no mistake in what he said. We're so clever now. We can, we can take what's in the Bible and then we massage it so that it fits our political agenda, it fits our church agenda. I'm so thankful that there are evidence in the Bible that tells us that what Jesus said offended people to the point when they leave him because truth is not in us. Truth is antithesis to our being. And so we must leave our place to hold on and to receive the truth. Otherwise, we hold on to our security and reject the truth. Does the church have the courage to speak the truth? When the world spits at you, gnash at you, saying all kinds of hideous things about you, the Apostle Paul says, let God 
be true, and every man a liar. Jesus is the life. Colossians 3.3, 3, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Life is only found in Jesus Christ. You cannot take eternal life as if you can extrapolate that out from the, the Bible without the body of Jesus Christ. Life and Christ and the body of Jesus is together. You cannot take one, you can t- take life from Jesus Christ. He is life. And many have tried to sever life from Jesus. There's no life apart from the Prince of Life in whom we killed. The breath that our mortality possess, one day we expire. How will you live in eternity when you don't have that breath? Jesus says, come to me that you might have life. It's coming to Jesus, not to his words, coming to him, the body of Jesus. Now, how do you come to Jesus? Let's go back to John chapter 5, verse 39. He says, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. The scripture gives the doctrine of eternal life, but the doctrine of eternal life is not life itself. You cannot take the knowledge of life and have life. It provides those who can read the sign the possibility of traveling down the right road. That's what the word will give you. Knowledge will give you go down that road and not that road. If you don't know how to read, well, it's a whole different problem. But the doctrine of life does not give you life. It gives you the understanding of where life is, and life is in Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes 7.12, For the wisdom is a defense, and money is the defense, and the word defense here means it's a covering. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Now, the word here, knowledge and wisdom, is the same in Hebrew. It gives life. It gives life meaning it gives you a cover. But it is not life itself. Life itself is Jesus Christ. Knowledge about Jesus Christ does not bring life more than our ability to read makes us a poet. The wisdom of God is not an object of our experience. It is the incarnate Christ whom you must believe. You can't possess Christ as an object of experience. That's what I mean. So that somehow he gets into your mind as an object, and now you have him. No. Christ is altogether otherness than us. He is external to us. He is someone who we cannot wholly possess. We can believe in him. And through the Holy Spirit, he manifests himself through us. In the eating of the flesh of Jesus Christ and, his, and drinking his blood, does that still offend you? We have life. Life is shared within us. The Holy Spirit has to work in us. So the scripture is number one. You do need to read the scripture. If you don't read the scripture, see what's happening in Daniel is that the wall, and there's a hand writing on the wall. None of them can read it. They don't know what the hand is saying. Should we continue and party? Or should we find out what the hand is saying? So they invite it. Lo and behold, Daniel. And Daniel came and said, hmm, you sure you want me to read that for you? You sure you want to know what that says? You see, the scripture gives us knowledge, just like learning how to read, and Daniel interpreted what that writing on the wall was. They understood it. 
Do you remember what happened next, right? It didn't save them. But at least they know what's happening. If we don't read our Bibles, if we don't know the scripture, we don't know what hit us. At least if we read the scripture, we know what is coming. And now we can do something about it. So Christians, we need to read, to be able to read the scripture. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is knowledge, but for knowledge to turn into wisdom, you need Jesus Christ. You need the Holy Spirit reveal Christ to you. So learn the scripture and learn to read the writing on the wall because I believe we're living in a time where God is writing in the world today. Do we, can we discern the signs of the time? Do we know what to do? Does the church know what to do right now? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives inspiration, who also hath made us able minister of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. The letter, the law. But unless the Holy Spirit is working in you, you won't receive life because the Holy Spirit brings into remembrance the things that are Jesus Christ. So Jesus must be part of the equation. Otherwise, you only have words. And the Holy Spirit is that instrument that brings out life from the Word. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. The Scripture must come alive by the revelation of the Spirit through the ministry of the Word, what we're doing today. The ministry of the, the preaching of the Word. And if the Word doesn't speak, if we don't speak about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has nothing to work on. The Holy Spirit only reminds us of what Jesus taught. There is no place in the church for private interpretations of the scripture. All scripture, Jesus says, testify of me. It's not some, the scripture is not some proverbs, nuggets, some saying, some wisdom that we extrapolate and somehow we can lean on that and live our life in a way that eventually leads us to God. No. Jesus says, the scripture testify of me. Everything in the scripture on the way to Emmaus, he walked with the, the friends on Emmaus and he said, no, you're not. The whole scripture testify of Christ. It's all about Jesus. If we read the scripture and there's no Jesus in here, it's not the gospel. It is not the meaning of the scripture. The scripture testifies of Jesus. Search the scripture. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Search the scripture. Believe in the word of the Lord. Come to Jesus that you might have life. You know, in the world, especially today, you have... A lot of things happening, and none of us know how or what will come next. You might think that, oh, you know, the worst part is behind us. You will not hear any politician who would dare to say that. We're now in a state where everyone just hold their breath and wait. What will happen next? Will we discover some hidden things in our great state, country, world we found out something that's pretty nasty swept under the rug what will we find next no one knows what will we discover next what some some of the hidden things that were hiding in plain sight that we'll find next what other catastrophe might happen next we, no one knows no one dares to say anything now so we are living in a world uh, with so much uncertainty with so much anxiety and I hope 
those who are listening at home, I hope that you realize that, well, there might be no end to this. And that we have to prepare ourselves today for what will happen. And here is my encouragement to you. When all hope is gone, when that thread becomes thinner and thinner, and it becomes just a pointless exercise to hope in anything now, this is what Jesus says. So open with me to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is why Jesus says, you need to come to me. Because in the world, you will have trouble. In the world, you will have, it's filled with anxieties and worries. This is our Lord. This is my God. This is my love. And this is what he said. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Only in Jesus Christ will we find rest. No one else. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today. Thank you for what you have ordained since the beginning of time. Lord, I know you're looking at all of this. And you know. You know where we are. You know our fears, the trepidations, the anxiety, the depression, the hopelessness that exists even in the church today. Nothing is outside of your purview. But thank you, Lord, that you have given us hope, not in ourselves, not in the things that we can see or behold or gravitate toward with our minds, but you have given us a person who walked this earth and spoke these words that we are learning, who promised us that he will never leave us nor forsake us, who promised us that those that you have given into his hand, he will lose none, who promised us that he will come back, who, prom- who promised us that if we call on his name, that he will answer, and who is beckoning us to come to him today. Lord, give us the humility Give us the the fortitude to come to Jesus Christ today. To come alongside of you and say, Lord, would you help me? I want to share. I, I want to be under your wing. I want to be under that yoke with you. For I know it is you who will walk me through this storm, this this tempest, the whirlwind of this life as it exists today. Lord, may the world know and may us, each one of us, the Christians, testify that there is a God, there is a Lord, there is a Savior in this time, even when all hope is gone. So I pray, Lord, that we will come to know you, we will come to you, and we will come to know you. And in your grace, may we grow in this love and may this mark of the Lord Jesus Christ be evident in our lives and in our conversations. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.